ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So today then we start on the section regarding the resurrection itself, Al-Hashr. So it mentions, أَوَّلُ مَنْ تَنْشَقُّ عَنْهُ الْأَرْضِ قَالَ الرَّسُولُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَنَا سَيِّدُ وَلَدِ آدَمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَأَوَّلُ مَنْ يَنْشَقُّ عَنْهُ الْقَبْرِ The first person whom the grave will be opened up and resurrection occurs will be the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the resurrection occurs and the graves are split asunder, then the first of them will be the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet ﷺ also mentioned in another narration that the people on that day will be resurrected hufat, meaning without shoes, barefooted, urat, naked, without clothes, ghuralan, uncircumcised. Barefooted, naked, and uncircumcised. ثُمَّ قَرَأَ And then he recited, كَمَا بَدَأْنَا أَوَّلَ خَلْقٍ نُعِيدُهُ He then recited the ayah from the Qur'an, Just as we began the creation, we return them like that. Just as we began the creation, we bring them back to that way, to that state. And the first of the people who will be clothed on the day of judgment then, it is mentioned, it is Ibrahim alayhi salam. It's also been mentioned in various evidences the states of the people when they are resurrected. What they will be like, what their state will be like has been mentioned in some of the evidences. So for example, regarding the kuffar, It mentions about them, Allah says, وَنَحْشُرُهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمْ عُمْيًا وَبُكْمًا وَصُمًّا That we will raise them 
upon their faces, their heads, upside down, blind and deaf and dumb. They will be resurrected on their heads, upside down, blind and deaf and dumb. That is mentioned in the Qur'an regarding the kuffar, regarding the disbelievers, that they will be resurrected in that manner. However, some of the companions were wondering when it came to this ayah about how the kuffar are resurrected on their heads, deaf and dumb and blind. They were wondering how that would work or what that means. How that would occur. That they would be resurrected, deaf and dumb and blind. And so Anas ibn Malik Radiallahu anhu mentions that a man came and said, O Messenger of Allah, how will the kuffar be resurrected upside down on their heads? How will they be standing upside down on their heads, on their faces? So the Prophet said to him, أَلَيْسَ الَّذِي أَمْشَاهُ عَلَى الرِّجْلَيْنِ فِي الدُّنْيَا قَادِرًا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُمْشِيَهُ عَلَىٰ وَجْهِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ He said to him, Is it not the case that the one who created him to walk upon his feet in this world can create him to walk upon his face in that world. Allah created the people now in this way that they walk upon their feet. Then similarly, the Creator, Allah, can make them on that day in such a way that they are stood upon their faces upside down. So Qatada mentions, Bala wa'izzata rabbina, that of course, and the might and power of our Lord, by the might and power of our Lord, of course He can do that. There is another issue. In this it mentions how they are raised upon their heads or their faces, upside down. Deaf and dumb and blind. But there are evidences indicating how the kuffar are spoken to on that day and how they respond, which would mean that they can hear and they can speak. So how do we combine between this? For example, it mentions when they are in the fire that they speak to the gatekeeper of the fire whose name is Malik and they ask him to ask Allah to destroy them to just finish them off 
better be dead than in the punishment of the fire. But then Malik replies to them that you will remain here. So this is a conversation going on between them and Malik for example. And there are other examples like that. So then how do we understand that they are raised deaf and dumb and blind when there are evidences that they, the kuffar, actually do understand and comprehend and hear and speak on that day? Anybody? Any offers? Could it be deaf, dumb and blind as to Tawheed and believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that context? But on that day... That wouldn't matter. On this life is the test of whether you're going to believe in Tawheed. Once you've died, even if they accept it, then it's too late anyway. So, so is, it, is, it, is it relevant to the first answer you gave regarding Allah can do on the, when they walk on the earth? So you mean Allah can create them deaf, dumb and blind, but still they can hear and speak? Yeah, on the, but then what does it mean that they are deaf, dumb and blind then? They what? Okay, they were raised deaf, dumb and blind, but then the other evidences say they're talking on that day. Because uh, in the, in the situation where it's proof they can uh, hear and, and, uh, and speak, is after the judgment. After the judgment? Dead can't hear. What you said is correct. What you said is correct. You were almost there too. That the day of judgment, it's a lengthy process of events that occur. There are several stages of the day of judgment. We're going to be talking about them now. Various things happen on the Day of Judgment. There are various stages of the Day of Judgment. In some of those stages, they are deaf, dumb and blind. In some of those stages, they are allowed to hear and speak and be spoken to. So the Day of Judgment is a lengthy process. Various things occur along the Day of Judgment. We're going to see these things now, the intercession that happens, the weighing scales, the the bridge across the uh, uh, hellfire, the pond. There's lots of things on the Day of Judgment. There's a lot of process on the Day of Judgment. So in some stages of that day, of those events, they are allowed to hear and speak and have ability. And in the remainder, then they are... Deaf and dumb and blind. So the scholars say, 
the ayah when it says that they are raised deaf and dumb and blind, then yes. And they are deaf and dumb and blind. But then there are certain stages of the day of judgment where they are allowed to hear and speak and understand and converse. Which particular times, which particular stages of the day of judgment will they be deaf, dumb and blind? That is differed over amongst the scholars when exactly, which stages exactly will they be deaf, dumb and blind in. That is differed amongst the scholars. But the scholars do mention what appears to be the case is that the initial resurrection, when they are initially raised then they are raised as deaf and dumb and blind. And then later on as the day of judgment progresses, other stages then occur that they are given back their hearing and seeing and ability to speak and comprehend. So that is the kuffar. As for the category of al-mutakabbirun, the arrogant ones. It's mentioned that the arrogant ones, they will be raised on that day in degradation, in humiliation. They were arrogant in this world, but on that day they will be resurrected in degradation and humiliation. Another category, the people who used to continuously ask others, begging of others, continuously asking of others. Then it's mentioned that they will be resurrected on that day and they will not have any flesh on their faces. They will have no flesh on their faces. Those who used to beg and constantly ask of the other people that they are raised with no flesh on their faces. And also, the people of Iman. How are the people of Iman, the believers, Raised on that day, they are raised with the greatest of nobility. They are raised with honor and dignity and nobility. يَوْمَ نَحْشُرُ الْمُتَّقِينَ إِلَى الرَّحْمَنِ that on that day we raise the righteous people to Ar-Rahman, to Allah, with nobility, wafda, nobility and honor. That is how they are raised, the people of righteousness, the believers. It also mentions how in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, 
the body parts where the believers used to make wudu, those body parts will be shining on that day. Those body parts that they used to make the wudu upon will be shining on that day. It mentions in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiallahu anhu, that in that the Prophet ﷺ said, Inna ummati, indeed my ummah, yud'awna yawm al-qiyamah, ghurran muhajjaleena min athar al-wudu' فَمَنْ إِسْتَطَاعَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يُطِيلَ غُرَّةً فَلِفَعَلَ That my ummah will be raised on that day and they will be shining from the signs of the wudu. So whomsoever is able to extend that area on his body, then let him do so. Extending the areas of wudu, how? The areas where you make wudu will be bright and shining on that day. Abu Hurairah says, so whoever can extend those areas on his body, then do so. How would you extend those areas? So, the apparent meaning, what would be apparent to extend those areas, is that when you wash up to your elbow, that you then include and wash up to the elbow, but go up a bit more to make the area bigger. When you wash your ankle, to go up a bit more into the shin to make the area bigger. That's what it would apparently indicate. However, we know that according to the sunnah in making wudu, that would be something outside of what the sunnah has mentioned. Sunnah says up to and including the elbow. It doesn't say go up into the arm, up to the shoulder, whatever. Up to and including the ankle. It doesn't say go up into the leg, into the shin. So that could be problematic, that understanding. Of saying here of Abu Huraira, extend those areas if you can. That it's a physical meaning of going up and beyond with the washing. Even if it means that, even if we say that's what it means, then in this occasion the scholars have mentioned that is the ijtihad of Abu Huraira. The sunnah doesn't seem to indicate to us otherwise that you go beyond the allocated wudu areas. So you don't. There is the possible other meaning though, that whomsoever can extend those areas then do so, i.e. not to physically extend them, stay up to where you've been told to make the wudu, but to extend your time upon wudu. 
Meaning, be upon wudu constantly as much as you can. So even when your wudu breaks, then make your wudu again. So that those body parts are constantly being washed and maintained upon wudu. So that is something mentioned of the believers on that day, how they'll be resurrected with honor and nobility. It is also mentioned that the animals will be resurrected on that day too. وَإِذَا الْوُحُوشُ حُشَرَتْ And when the beasts, the animals are resurrected and raised, the Qur'an says, indicating that the animals will also be resurrected in a hadith it mentions, حَتَّى يُقَادْ لِلشَّاتِ الْجَلْحَاءِ مِنَ الشَّاتِ الْقَرْنَاءِ That on that day, justice will be done, even between a ram that had horns, goat that had horns, that had oppressed another one that didn't have any horns. The one with the horns had oppressed the one without any horns. So on the day of judgment, justice will be done even between them. Indicating the animals are also resurrected. So this all indicates... That even the animals are resurrected. Then the question that arises is, where will this resurrection occur? Is it on this earth that everything is destroyed on the day of judgment and then the resurrection, everybody comes out of their graves and this is the earth, this is where all that initial resurrection occurs. Huh? The Hashar, exactly. Where is that Maidan? Where is this vast land of resurrection? Is it this? On the day of judgment, everything is flattened. Mountains are flattened. Everything is flat. Then the horns are blown, etc. And then resurrection occurs here on this earth. All the graves, everything. They all come out and they are standing on this earth. This is the land of resurrection. Or are they resurrected onto a land which is not this earth? The son says not on this earth. The father says on this earth. Uh Scholars, they mention both opinions. Both opinions are possible. Those who say, well, the evidence is basically the same, but it's how it's understood and interpreted. يَوْمَ تُبَدَّلُ الْأَرْضُ غَيْرَ الْأَرْضُ On that day, when this earth will be swapped, exchanged for another earth, or this ground will be swapped and exchanged for another. That's what the ayah says. 
So what does that mean? Does it mean therefore that this earth or this ground will be swapped and changed for something else? Meaning that the resurrection when we are raised up, we're not raised up upon this earth. We are raised up and we're somewhere else on some other land somewhere off this earth. Maybe. Because the ayah says on that day this earth will be swapped for another. This ground will be exchanged for another. So maybe, maybe it is somewhere else where everybody is raised up and resurrected and are standing on the land of resurrection. It's not on this earth. Maybe. Other scholars, they say that does not necessitate it some other place outside of this earth. The fact that the earth will be changed on that day applies even here. Because there are all the evidences indicating how the mountains will become like like uh, dust and floating away, flattened. This earth will be something completely different to what it is now. It will be completely changed on that day. The landscape will be something completely different, but it will be this earth. So some scholars say the meaning of the ayah that it will be changed is this earth but that the landscape will be completely different upon resurrection. Others, they say, no, it will be changed, meaning completely to some other place. So both interpretations are possible there. Regarding the land of resurrection. So now then, when that resurrection occurs, the people are raised. One of the things that occurs is... The Shafa'a, intercession on that day. Shafa'a, what is the position of Ahlul Sunnah regarding intercession? Is Shafa'a something permissible or is it shirk and impermissible? What's the ruling to start with? Different types. So you're saying some types are permissible and some types are not. So what types are permissible and what types are not? So that's permissible? So if they ask the Prophet on the Day of Judgment, that's permissible. So now if people go to the Prophet's grave? No, no. So what are the conditions? If somebody asks you now, as people do, don't people go to the graves of the dead? They say, these are awliya of Allah, make dua here, make shafa'a with them. Somebody comes and asks you now, what is your position? You guys from Paternoster Lane. What do you say about shafa'a? That's what you're going to tell him? Somebody asks you, what is your position on Shafa'ah? That is Wasila. Okay. A little bit different. Shafa'ah. Allah, in that case, all these people are going to come from Bradford and they're going to say, you got no answer. We're going to carry on going to the graves and making shafa'a with the dead. The person could be present, but he has 
They say he's right there. I'm going to his grave. And then we're going to go to the Imam in the mosque. Big wali of Allah. He's going to do shafa'ah for us. Anything else? So make a note. Conditions of Shafa'ah. Somebody was asking you now, what's your position on Shafa'ah? Are we allowed? Are you saying it's shirk if we go to the Imam and ask him for Shafa'ah? Or we go to the graves and ask them for shafa'ah, for intercession. We say that there are certain types of shafa'ah that are permissible with conditions. And there are other types that are impermissible because they don't have the conditions in place. Certain types of shafa'ah, no problem, acceptable, permissible. Certain types of intercession. Intermediary. Other types are not permissible because those conditions will be missing. So the question is, what are the conditions? Two conditions. Some scholars may break it down into three conditions. Firstly, the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that particular intercession to occur. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ بِإِذْنِهِ Who is it that can intercede with him except by his permission? Permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on intercession. Second condition which some scholars may break down into second and third is that Allah must be pleased with the one making the intercession and the one who it's being made for. That Allah must be pleased with the one making the intercession and the one who it's being made for. How is Allah pleased with them? That they be people of Tawheed. The one making the intercession must be a person of Tawheed. The one who it's being made for must be a person of Tawheed. So now, that they are the overall conditions, then what everybody was mentioning about the person has to be present, has to have the ability, that all comes into into the wider and broader topic. So now, permission of Allah and the pleasure of Allah, that you're upon Tawheed, and the one you're making the intercession on behalf of is upon Tawheed. Anyone doing intercession outside of those conditions, then it is shirk impermissible. So now, for example, if you go to the grave of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
and you begin asking him, O Messenger of Allah, take my dua to Allah. Like we mentioned last time, that example, somebody threw a note in, O Messenger of Allah, my family needs help. See what you can do for us with Allah. My, my, my family needs help. We have economic, financial problems. See what you can do for us, O Messenger of Allah. That there now is haram. Because the conditions are not in place. The first clear condition that you must have the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon a particular type of intercession. There is no permission there. When have we ever been given permission in the Quran and the Sunnah to go to the Prophet's grave and say to him, O Messenger, we have this problem, that problem, can you see what you can do for us with Allah? Can you see if you can ask Allah for us and take our dua to Allah for us? Where have we ever got that from? If that was something permissible, who would have been the first of the people to regularly do it? The companions, if that was allowed, would they not have been at his grave every day making dua and asking him, take our duas to Allah for us, help us with this, help us with that. If that was permissible, then they would have been doing it. The companions never did it. So either you're going to say it was permissible, but the companions didn't do it though. Which means what? They were negligent? They were negligent? They didn't bother to go to the Prophet to ask him, even though it was permissible? Or what other excuse are you going to try and make? Why would the companions not go to the Prophet if it was allowed? There's even an example of when they needed to go to him, but they didn't. They went to somebody else. Like the example of the rain prayer. When they wanted somebody to do that, to make the dua for that. They used to go to the Prophet ﷺ when he was alive. But after he died, they didn't go to him anymore. They went to Abbas, his uncle. Why would they go to Abbas, his uncle who is not a prophet or a messenger? if they were allowed to go directly to the Prophet ﷺ. The fact that they chose not to go to the Prophet ﷺ, but to Abbas, indicates only one thing, that they knew it wasn't an option to go to the Prophet ﷺ. If it was an option, then how can anybody claim they would choose, even though they had the option, to ignore the Prophet and go to somebody else? Impossible. So, intercession requires the permission of Allah. All of these types that they do, going to the graves of the dead or to the imams and all these types of things, they are not anything witnessed in the Qur'an and the sunnah. That type of shafa'ah, seeking it from the dead or seeking it from the prophet or the messengers, then it's not permissible. But here then, The point we want to discuss is that on the Day of Judgment, there are certain types of shafa'ah that will take place. And they will of course be from the permissible types of shafa'ah upon those conditions we're talking about. So one of them is known as al-shafa'ah al-uzma. This particular type 
of shafa'ah. And there are a few on the day of judgment, and this is one of them, is where all of the people have been resurrected. And when they are resurrected, it's a terrible and frightening time to have been resurrected and to see all of the fright and the terror everybody is in. They all want to get out of there. So, to get out of that difficult and terrifying situation they find themselves in, they look around at each other to see if they can find someone who will do shafa'ah for them. Mean what is shafa'ah? Shafa'ah is that somebody speaks on your behalf for you, speaks on your behalf to somebody else to get you something. So they look to see, is there anybody who can speak on our behalves to Allah to get us out of this terrifying situation? So then the hadith is a long hadith where they say, Ama tarawna, can you not see ma qad balaghakum? Can you not see what calamity has overcome you? Can you not see what has become of you when they've been resurrected and the sun is brought close and all the difficulties and calamities and the terror and the fright? They say, look at the state we're in. Find somebody who can do intercession for us. So they go initially to Adam salam. They go to Adam initially. And they say, Anta Abu al-Bashar. You, O Adam, are the father of mankind. Allah created you with his own hand. And He blew into you from his souls. And أَمَرَ الْمَلَائِكَ فَسَجَدُوا لَكَ And he commanded the angels and they prostrated to you. They mentioned all of these great virtues of Adam. And then they said to him, after mentioning all those virtues of his, إِشْفَعْ لَنَا إِلَى رَبِّكَ Intercede for us with your Lord. Intercede for us with your Lord. Ala tara ila ma nahnu Do you not see what calamity and terror and fright we are in? Ala tara ila ma balagana. Do you not see what has overcome us and what is happening to us? But then Adam says. إِنَّ رَبِّي قَدْ غَضِبَ الْيَوْمَ غَضَبًا لَمْ يَغْضَبْ قَبْلَهُ مِثْلَ وَلَنْ يَغْضَبْ بَعْدَهُ مِثْلَ That indeed my Lord is angered today to the level of an anger that has not occurred before nor will it occur after وَإِنَّهُ نَهَانِي عَنِ الشَّجَرَةِ فَعَصَيْتُ and he had prohibited me from the tree to eat the fruits of that tree. But I disobeyed. Nafsi, nafsi, nafsi. 
myself, I have to look after myself, my affair, my own affair. So Adam excuses himself from being the one, even though they mentioned all of those virtues about him. He has all of those virtues. Yet he says, basically to excuse himself from making that shafa'ah. Then they go to Nuh and they say, Ya Nuh, innaka anta awwal al-rusul, awwal al-rusul ila ahli al-ard. That, O Nuh, you are the first messenger to the people of the earth. وَقَدْ سَمَّاكَ اللَّهُ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا and Allah named you or called you the grateful servant, Abd Shakur. So you make the intercession for us. Again, Nuh alayhi salam mentions about the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and basically excuses himself also. The same happens with Ibrahim alayhi salam. They go and mention his virtues. You are the Khalil of Allah, the most beloved of Allah, etc. But again, he mentions the anger of Allah on that day and excuses himself from making the intercession. They go to Musa alayhi salam. Again, he excuses himself. They go to Isa alayhi salam. He excuses himself until Isa sends them to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when they come to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is the one that goes to the throne of Allah. فَأَنْطَلِقُ فَآتِي تَحْتَ الْعَرْشِ فَأَقَعُ سَاجِدًا He says, I then go to the throne of Allah and I fall in prostration. ثُمَّ يَفْتَحُ اللَّهُ عَلَيَّ مِنْ مَحَامِدِهِ وَحُسْنِ الثَّنَاءِ عَلَيْهِ شَيْءٍ لَمْ يَفْتَحُ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ قَبْلِي And then Allah will open up to me forms of praise upon him that he has not opened up to anybody before that. And many of the scholars, they mention this is an indication of further Names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are not aware of yet. And so this will occur and then eventually it will be said to the Prophet ﷺ, he is in prostration, fallen in prostration. It will be said to him eventually then, Ya Muhammad, irfa' ra'sak. O Muhammad, raise your head. Sal, tu'atah. Ask and you'll be given. Ishfa' tushaffa' Seek the intercession and you'll be given that intercession. فَأَرْفَعُ رَأْسِي فَأَقُولُ أُمَّتِي يَا رَبِّ So the Prophet says, I raise my head and I say, My Ummah, my Lord, أُمَّتِي يَا رَبِّ My nation, my, the Muslims, my Lord. فَيُقَالُ So then it is said, يَا مُحَمَّدْ أَدْخِلْ مِنْ أُمَّتِكَ مَنْ لَا حِسَابَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ الْبَابِ الْأَيْمَنِ مِنْ أَبْوَابِ الْجَنَّةِ That, O Muhammad, take into paradise from the right hand door 
from your ummah, those who have no accountability upon them. So this is an example of an intercession that occurs on that day. When the people are resurrected and they find themselves in the calamity and the sun is brought close to the earth within a mile or less, and the heat and no shade and the terror and the fright, such that we mentioned everybody is resurrected naked. Aisha asked the Prophet ﷺ, will the people not be looking? The Prophet ﷺ said, the affair on that day, the terror and the fright meaning on that day will be so great, nobody will care about anything except themselves. Nobody will be looking or wondering or pondering about anything else except themselves. So on that day they go to the prophets and messengers seeking someone to intercede for them. And it is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who will intercede for them on that day. There's only a few minutes left. We'll have to carry on with the rest of the intercessions that occur on that day next session. Any quick questions before the prayer then? In a what salah? Maghrib salah. Maghrib, huh? And he prayed to the cart and he finished and he went off. So what are He made a mistake after two raka'ah, he finished the prayer and walked off and disappeared and nobody yeah. grabbed him. And so what are we supposed to do? <laughs> they should have grabbed him, that's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> grabbed him and told him what is happening, that he's made a mistake, he needs to complete the prayer. But if the imam has disappeared... This is a type of issue that you're not going to find in Al-Mulakhas Al-Fiqhi. You're not going to find it in Bulug Al-Maram. These types of issues you're only going to find in the big, thick, fat, 10 volumes, 20 volume books. Somewhere in there you might find them. What happens if the Imam prays two rak'ahs and then walks off? It's a strange, one-off type of situation. So Allah will have to see exactly what the scholars they mention. What would have to happen in the immediate situation? No doubt you have to pray your prayer. But is it the case that somebody steps forward and only then finishes the final raka'ah? Which would appear to be the case. Allah like we say, have to go back into those big books. But it would appear to be the case that if the imam disappears and nobody stops him for whatever reason then somebody would have to step forward and finish the third rak'ah. You got to finish your prayer. That seems to be the most apparent solution there to that scenario. The only other possible solution may be, or what might be mentioned is that you have to repeat the full prayer. But Allah alam, it appears that somebody, minimum at least of course, would have to step forward and lead the third rak'ah in the situation where the imam has disappeared. Because the closest example you can think of there is, for example, if the imam's wudu broke after two rak'at or something and walked off, then somebody else would carry on and finish the prayer. So Allah alam, but it would appear somebody would have to step forward and finish the prayer and that's it. Anything else?
But it doesn't mention that though Because the ayat just say the kuffar So you can't specify It's going to be some, not some Unless you have evidence We don't have any evidence to specify There are differences between them Because at the end of the day A person who is not upon tawheed Is upon shirk Then all of them are equal in that shirk Whether they are worshipping a tree, a stone, an idol Whatever it is, they are all mushrikun So there's no evidence to differentiate between them like that on that day. So we'll round off on that then. Classes all appear to be back on now. Tomorrow's class is on again at 7.30. Inshallah, it would appear next week's Friday one with Abu Iyad should be on as well. Everything's back on. So get your schedules in order again. Friday nights, Saturday nights. Back for the classes inshallah ta'ala. We'll carry on with this in two weeks time. إن شاء الله وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين